Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pato, and today I will be reviewing Rocketman and Men in Black International. In a couple of weeks, I hope to have a more consistent platform for this, a few guests and whatnot on the show. But for the meantime, you just have me just talking about movies. I'm hoping to get a mailbag up and running too, which will be pretty cool. Um, If you have any questions about up-and-coming movies or you want to know a bit more about me, um, you can email ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. That's ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. Their email will also be on the channel description as well. All right, so that's out of the way. So I did see Rocketman and I also saw Men in Black International last night, which was pretty cool. Um, so I would like to discuss a few things about both movies, give my thoughts, um, my recommendations, because I did enjoy both. Um, so it's not going to be a Dark Phoenix type rant again. Um, so let's get stuck into it. So Rocketman's the first cab off the rank, um, directed by Dexter Fletcher and starring Taron Egerton, Jamie Bell, Bryce Dallas Howard and Richard Madden. And it tells the story of Elton John, his rise to fame, his spiral into alcoholism, sex addiction, and drug abuse. And I think it was probably one of the more honest um, ways to tell this tale. I was not a big fan of Bohemian Rhapsody, so I'm going to get this out of the way first. I didn't review the movie last year, but I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was a very was a very clean version of what that story was, and it irritated me in that respect. I thought that it could have been a lot better. I thought that it could have dealt with a few more of the issues in Freddie's life, more so than just gloss over them or paint him in such a positive light. It was very, it was, it was just very glossy. I think that's the best word to use to describe it. Um, I thought that the performances were good. Um, Rami Malek did a a pretty decent job. I still don't think he was the best performance of last year, but I do think he did a pretty good job as Freddie. So coming into this movie, I wanted it to be different, but, different in a way that also turned the genre on its head. The music biopic is such a bland genre because it it just follows the same exact um, formula for each of them. It it starts off with, you know, their rise to fame and then something goes wrong along the way. Maybe the band splits up and then they're back together for a comeback tour or something at the end of the, of the end of the movie. But I think, what Rocketman does well is that it, it sort of takes Elton's life and paints it in a very honest and very, I suppose, stripped back version of what what happened to him. And I think it was just it was brutally honest. And I think that's what we needed from this movie. Um, and I, I really like the way that Dexter Fletcher handled it. This is his second team up with Taron Egerton. They also uh, worked together on Eddie the Eagle, which I also thought did a really good job. It was just honest and it just it was a really uplifting movie. And I, I feel the same thing about Rocket Man. I also like this movie is a musical too, which a lot of people probably didn't know coming into it. And it doesn't shy away from from just living that up. It, it, a lot of the movie deals with you know a, a lot of dark themes, especially with um, with Elton and, and a lot of things that he went through, but it's told through song a lot of the time, which I think was a unique way of doing that. It could have just been done your run-of-the-mill Bohemian Rhapsody type biopic, but instead we get a very, a very different version of that. And I think it's very true to what we've seen of Elton in the public eye. He was very out there and outgoing, and I, I think that that really, it's more true to his character, and I think it's more true to tell the story in this way. And I, I really enjoyed that aspect of the film. 
Taron Edgerton is amazing as Elton John. Um, he's lively when he needs to be. He's quiet and reserved also when he needs to be, um, highlighting more of that shy aspect of who Elton was as well. I think Taron did a really good job of um, elevating, I suppose, the material as well because if he's not good, then the movie's not going to be good. A lot of it is is on his back and I think it does a really good job of telling that. Um, we begin the story of him in rehab and straight into a, a song as well and straight away you just really buy that he is a troubled man and he's obviously has a lot of demons and I, I think that the way that it was handled was very well and I think Edgerton's performance was just fantastic. He was really, really good and um, uh, all props to him. I also thought Jamie um, Bell was fantastic as well as his writing partner, Bernie. I thought that their chemistry together was fantastic and it was really believable. You you believed their friendship and I liked that it went through the trials and tribulations of that friendship as well. And yeah, like I said, just not in a, not in a very cliched way. It was more in a, a different way and it felt very personal. And I think that Elton's influence on this as well definitely helped with that. Also really liked the dance numbers. Um, Saturday Nights or, um, or Right for Fighting was fantastic. Uh, the choreo- um, choreography was fantastic. And I think that the, the singing was pretty good too. Um, obviously a bit of auto-tune in there, but Taron Egerton's got a really good voice. And I think um, having him actually sing the songs opposed to uh, Remy Malek um, lip-syncing them, I think it just added a lot to the, the film because it was more believable and it just felt, again, more honest, which I've said many times, but it's true. Um, and I think that the dance numbers were very unique and they just, it was a different way of telling this story and I thought it did a really good job. But like all of these music biopics, I think the problem with, um, with I keep going to say Bohemian Rhapsody because, yeah, it was it was not that long ago, um, with Rocketman was when the genre tropes of the biopic, the music biopic more so, um, start to creep in. I think that's when the the movie feels it doesn't feel as unique as what it what it was and I think that's part of the problem is that it has this disconnect when it it does such a great job of making itself its own unique thing but then it creeps back into the cliche genre tropey territory and I think that's when I sort of tuned out of the film a bit um I, I thought that some of the emotional stuff with the parents was a bit um, heavy-handed as well. Uh, whilst honest, again, it was very. It, it there wasn't that emotional connect that I was hoping to feel, and I think that was a, a big part of the of the problem that I had with the film. And I think if that was developed a little better, especially at the beginning of the film when he was younger, I think that I would have felt a stronger connection. I would have felt that more of that emotional pull that the movie was obviously going for. But these are very tiny gripes because I'd say this is one of the better films I've seen this year. Um, Dexter Fletcher does a fantastic job directing. It just feels very much him, I suppose. He's got his own little style now, which is pretty cool after Eddie the Eagle, and I, I really liked what he did here. He was a producer on Bohemian Rhapsody too, so maybe he took a bit of the off-screen drama that happened there and sort of steered away from that occurring in this film. So... I think he got to tell his story and I think working with Elton to get this story out there was was very personal to him and I think they did a really good job at, at doing that. Um, I think Rocketman's fantastic. I would recommend seeing it on the big screen. Um, a lot of the 
the dance numbers really pop on the big screen. And I think that that's due to the performances, of course, and Dexter Fletcher's direction as well. Um, and I would recommend seeing it on the big screen if you get the chance to. Um, but yeah, I, I think Rocketman's fantastic. Uh, I would say go and see it if you can. And I will give this one an eight and a half out of 10. Um, yeah, it was really, really entertaining. And next up, well, last, I suppose, is Men in Black International. Um, thanks to um, my mate who got me a ticket to the advanced screening last night. I was able to see it nice and early, um, which was pretty cool. So I have a, a fascination with the Men in Black films. I really like the first one. I think most people did. It was refreshing and the chemistry between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones was fantastic. Men in Black 2 majority of people hate it i don't hate it i just don't really like it it's just such a bland movie um i wasn't a huge fan of that one but again it wasn't it wasn't terrible it, it just didn't have that spark of the first one and by the time men in black 3 came around it was a long time between movies and i think men in black 3 is definitely entertaining it's just so bland as well there's a few annoying characters in it and that spark just isn't there anymore. Will Smith is, again, fantastic. And I think that Tommy Lee Jones was good for the small portion he was in the film, but that film rides solely on Josh Brolin's shoulders because he does such a fantastic Tommy Lee Jones impression. Um, and yeah, he gives a great performance, and I think that's where that film shines. Jermaine Clement's villain was interesting. It was nice to see him in a big-budget film because huge fan of his work. But, yeah, the Men in Black films have been... Yeah, I have enjoyed them for what they are, and if they're on TV, I'll give them a watch, but definitely not something I'll go out of my way to, to watch. So heading into this film, I was interesting. Uh, F. Gary Gray directs. Um, he recently handled Fate of the Furious, which is, meh, it's so-so. It is what it is. He also directed Straight Outta Compton and The Italian Job, so he's able to handle big-budget films quite well. Um, Fate of the Furious handled his action sequences quite well, as, as well as you can in that unbelievable sense. So I think that he did a pretty good job there. So him on board for the project, I was keen. Uh, the film stars Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, Emma Thompson returning from the previous three films, Liam Neeson, Rebecca Ferguson, and Kumal Nunjani. Um, and the plot follows the men in black who have always protected the earth from the scum of the universe. In this new adventure, they tackle their biggest threat to date, a mole in the men in black organization. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, I didn't love this film, but I did enjoy myself. I found it to be out of the big budget blunders that we've had this year with X-Men, Dark Phoenix, Godzilla, Hellboy. There have been just so many big budget blunders this year. And I, I was hoping just to sit back and watch something that's fun and entertaining. And I think I got that with this movie. Um, the film relies heavily on the chemistry between Hemsworth and Thompson, um, Tessa Thompson, um, and I think they did a fantastic job together. This is their third appearance together after Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Endgame. So I think they know each other well enough now that they're able to riff off each other and the studio gives them a bit of freedom as far as their improv. And you can definitely see in a few sequences that they're definitely giving them a bit too much leash. Um, some of the improv is a bit how you going, but I, I did enjoy some of their riffing off each other. They're, they're quite entertaining to watch on screen together, so I think they did a pretty good job. Um, and together, I think if they weren't in the film, I don't know if it would have worked as well, but they their chemistry together definitely holds it together. 
the comedy improv stuff, like I mentioned, some of it hit, some of it doesn't. I found myself chuckling a few times, but no belly laughs, but I, I wasn't really expecting that from this film. I just wanted it to be entertaining and just go through the motions. Um, it was pretty fun to see some of the set design return as well from the Men in Black films. You get the classic uh, MIB headquarters both in um, New York and as well over in in London, and I thought it was it was pretty cool to see that back that that overexposed white and the black against the white. I thought it was really cool. We had a few returning characters too, like I mentioned, uh, Emma Thompson's back as Agent O, and she was quite entertaining. Uh, one actor actually I didn't mention that was in the film was Rafe Spall, um, who plays Agent Z, and I thought he was actually fantastic. He was very funny. Uh, he's riffing with Chris Hemsworth again in the film, and I, I really enjoyed that. And I'm a big fan of Race Ball. I think he's got a lot to offer. I just wish he would be in a bit more. Last year he was in The Ritual, which I thoroughly enjoyed. He was also the villain in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which was very hit or miss, and his villain was very poorly written. But, he, again, he, he does handle material very well, so I really liked seeing him in this film. I didn't actually know he was in it either. He doesn't appear in any of the trailers, well, the trailer that I saw anyway. So I was quite surprised to see him here, and I, I did enjoy it. Frank the Pug turns up for a bit of a cameo. If you're a Man in Black fan, you know who he is, which was pretty entertaining. I didn't know. Well, you do see him in the trailer, but I, I didn't know if they were going to acknowledge those films again uh, or how far they would. There's a painting in the office of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, which was pretty cool, and I think it was cool to see that that they are acknowledging it. So it's a soft reboot pretty much. And maybe down the road we'll see a crossover. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it depends on how this film goes, of course. The negatives. Uh, the obligatory flash um, back sequence that features in the film to show events that have uh, like previously happened, it's really frustrating. It happens twice in this movie, and it's really it was so unnecessary. And I hate that the filmmakers feel like they the audience doesn't know what they're talking about. I find it very irritating give us some credit the film's only two hours long like uh, no it, it, it's not it's not overly long like a television show where if you show a flashback it, it feels earned and it feels necessary here you know in two hours we remember what's going on it was like 20 minutes ago so try and keep it keep it calm which uh, it just it was kind of irritating so I, I found that part annoying and yeah it does happen twice the twist ending uh which it's not a spoiler, I'm not going to tell you what happens, but the twist ending was very predictable. I kind of knew what was going to happen and I I always find that annoying when you say, oh, yep, he's the bad guy. You can you can kind of tell and like the plot says, there is a mole in the, uh, in, in the Men in Black organisation. So, yeah, you, you'll probably be able to pick it up pretty early, I'd say. Uh, my biggest complaint in the film, and I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here, is the CGI. I get really frustrated when films with budgets of $120, $150 million plus, and even over $100 million, I feel like if you have a, a strong budget, you should be able to make something look at least a tad more believable. Here, the CGI is pretty bad. It's not as bad as X-Men Dark Phoenix, which was garbage, but it is noticeably bad and i think when you can really point out there that's cgi that's cgi it's a bit different here because of the alien characters of course but i think if the design was a bit more clean and the eyes weren't as big and it, it comes down to a lot of the design but it's just the execution the render on the effects doesn't look very good it doesn't look finished 
Uh, and it's very irritating. It actually reminded me of um, RIPD, which was a similar kind of the rest in peace department, which was similar setup to Men in Black and it failed and it's god awful. And uh, one complaint I had with that film was just the way that the characters looked. They just looked CGI. Uh, Kevin Bacon's villain was just terrible. It just looked terrible. Here, some of the characters, Canal Nanjani plays uh, a character called Pawnee. He's an alien and he's very... He's very adorable, like little thing, but he's very fake looking and it's just very irritating. And I, I know that's such a – it's a complaint that can either make or break people because some people might really like the look of these creatures and I suppose depending on the age demographic. And I was thinking about this. It's not really going for that younger demographic because the movie's rated M here in Australia, PG-13 over in America. So it's not really going for that younger demographic. It's going for, you know, the more the teenage audience plus – and I don't think they want to see characters look like that. I think they would rather see the alien creatures look a bit more realistic. We get the big boss battle at the end, which is another thing that was irritating, which I'll get into in a second. The big fight that happens in Paris at the end of the film, we get this big creature and the creature just looks so unrealistic. There's no peril there because we don't buy that they're actually in this location for starters. And we don't buy the threat because the CGI just doesn't look very good. So any tension that I was meant to feel, I don't feel because it's it's just so – and it's also very rushed as well. That last act is very, very rushed. But then I suppose my irritation is just that the, the rate that these films are coming out, there is such a need to get special effects and everything finished so it meets this release date. And I think that's part of the problem is that these films – feel the need to get everything out as quickly as possible because the studios want to make their money. So it puts more pressure on these CGI artists to get everything done by this set time and they just struggle to get it done because it's such a compressed deadline. It's so compressed to get this these effects and everything done and I understand they're getting paid a lot of money to do it but no matter how much money you're spending to get this stuff done, if you don't have the time to do it, it's not going to look any good. So these big budgets can't account for time. And I think that's that's my frustration with it is that if this film had to have more time in the post-production stage, which they should, they should be having at least, uh, with a film like this, you would assume at least eight to 12 months, possibly even more after principal photography. And I just wish that a bit more time was spent on the character design because I feel like it could have been something special. But that's my CGI rant. I, it really is a frustration. I'd like to get into more detail with it one day, but... It is a real irritation at the moment because it feels like it's happening more frequently. Whilst there's some examples of fantastic visual effects, here it does definitely does feel like it's, you know, very, very rushed and, and very under-rendered. My other big issue with the climax of the film is that we get another fucking version of this blue beam shooting into the sky. Now, it's shooting across the sky here. It's not going up but it is very, very frustrating. We have had this from Sony movies alone, Amazing Spider-Man and Ghostbusters most recently uh, come to mind, and here we get the exact same thing. It's the blue laser beam shooting in the sky. Suicide Squad did it. The Ninja Turtles movies did it. It's just so, it's such a, 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 a plot contrivance now. The Transformers Dark the Moon did it. The Avengers did it. it, it it's so frustrating because it, it just feels like it's the go-to thing. Now it's become a cliché which is so strange because it's such a, it, it, yeah, it just feels so easy. At least they're not fighting hordes of faceless monsters here. 
Instead, they're fighting one threat and they've got to stop that threat. But it was just, yeah, I, I was shocked to see that again because I thought Sony would have learnt from the last two times they've attempted this. And, yeah, clearly they haven't. And I think that's a Sony problem at the moment because we haven't had a, a blue beam shooting up into the sky since 20, 2016. We had it twice with Ghostbusters and Suicide Squad. So at least it's something we've had a bit of time, but three years, it's still a cliche. Um, but nevertheless, I, I found Men in Black International to be fun. It, it's not perfect. It definitely has its issues. Some of the improv doesn't work. The CGI is definitely a, a hindrance on the story, and I hate the obligatory flashback sequence. Um, I will mention too, though, the, the we get the classic women in black line that I think we're going to ex- – we just have to expect now. The way that Hollywood's moving, they want to be more progressive, which is awesome. So I think that seeing these lines in the films, some of them are irritating, some of them are poorly handled. But I think here it was quite funny. It was more played in a, a more sensible way so we could have a bit of a laugh about it as well. So I did enjoy it. I thought that it was quite funny. Uh, and it didn't take me out of the movie, which it did in X-Men Dark Phoenix and to a certain extent in Endgame as well. But I, I did enjoy this film and I would recommend seeing it. Um, I checked Rotten Tomatoes this morning. The critics are not being fair, but I'm going to be because I, I did have a good time watching it. Um, and I'm going to give this one a 6 out of 10. So that wraps up my movie reviews for the week, guys. Um, I will be doing more of these, like I said. It's just finding the the time at the moment, but I, I do enjoy doing them. I would like to have a few more people on to talk about movies and whatnot. I will have reviews up next week for Toy Story 4, hopefully, and Child's Play, the remake, which I hope is fucking god-awful, but if it's not least that it's a bit funny uh i don't have high expectations for it but i think it could be a bit enjoyable toy story 4 i have my issues with this moving forward i don't think it's necessary so i hope that they make it necessary but yeah thanks for listening guys uh like i said if you have any questions i will be doing a mailbag shortly just after i get myself up and running uh that is ozmoviegeek at gmail.com so if you'd like to send your questions through there that would be fantastic Thanks again for listening and yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll hear from you guys and I'll have more content up soon. So thank you.